Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Captain Jim Palmer, the dream business coach, coming to you. uh, Well, as you're going to hear this, I'm guessing we're in northern Maryland, Chesapeake Bay. We're actually traveling as I'm doing the recording, but (laughs) you know how that goes. I'm super excited. This show is going to be about customers. It's going to be about sales, closing business. And my guest today is not some highbrow person who's going to show you how to talk to Fortune 500 companies. Not not that there's anything wrong with that, but this Tasha Smith knows about being an entrepreneur and growing a business and scaling a sales team. So super excited about our topic today. As I said, Tasha Smith is my guest. She's the founder of Emerge Sales Training. She's a business coach, speaker, and author. She has over 19 years of experience in sales and leadership. She has dedicated her life to helping others. Her powerful vision is that every person who needs to be able to sell to provide for their family will have access to high-quality training that brings them results that they have been praying for. Love that. Over the past four years, she and her team have trained and coached over 8,000 network marketing clients to create thriving teams and businesses full of confidence, profit, and joy. Confidence, profit, and joy. That's, <laughs> that's a, that is great right there. One of Tasha's clients describes it best when she said, Tasha has a huge heart and she and her team are pulling for students every step of the way. Tasha, I'm so excited to talk with you today. Thanks for being my guest. Thanks for having me, Jim. And um, so, folks, as Tasha and I were saying hello, she's got a very tropical-looking studio she's in. I thought she was in Miami, but she is in California, so I guess uh, Southern California is tropical as well, right? Yeah, that's right. It's a great place to live. It is a great place. Um, So, I guess so many things I want to ask you. I, I love the whole concept of selling. You know, I remember... 30, 40 years ago, going to class, who hears in sales and half the people were, okay, the ones who didn't raise your hand, you are definitely, you know, you're wrong. Everybody's in sales. It's, I've always said, if, if you start a business and you got your fancy business cards and you put president, founder, CEO, chief, muckety muck on your business card, you got a big desk and a chair. If you aren't closing sales, you have no business. Right. It really is about sales. So, I want to ask you about how you got into that, but tell me a little bit about Tasha Smith. Did you go to college? Did you learn how to be a scientist and then go into entrepreneurship? People get there in a funny way sometimes. Uh, Okay, so I was studying to take my LSAT in law school. I went to uh, college at UC San Diego, and then I started selling knives. And um, that was my summer job, and I ended up helping one of our newer reps go from making like zero for 13 in his first weekend to selling over $3,000 in the next 10 days. And much to the chagrin of my Indian parents, I tossed my LSAT book and at the age of 20 uh, devoted my life to sales training because I saw how much confidence it created for this person when they were able to communicate, they were able to have income. And I, I noticed very quickly, I always love to encourage people um, and teach. Uh, and 
what I saw was that when you are able to make a sale, your confidence shifts because your communication is stronger and you feel like you're just so much more in control of your life. You're not waiting for, to see if someone else is going to make it happen. You always are able to make it happen for yourself. And so confidence. I became Ugh. super addicted yep. to this concept of, um, it sounds so cheesy, but I think that you'll resonate with it of selling hope to people. And that's what I think uh, sales training is, selling hope. And you know what? I love that because at the heart of closing, what I tell people is, and my clients, if you believe with all your heart, mind, soul, every fiber of your being that what you're doing is good, you're providing value, you're going to make a difference in their lives, then shame on you for not boldly and confidently going out there and getting in front of more people. And you're right. When you close a sale, I mean, I remember I closed my first sale. I thought the car was floating home, not even hitting the tires on the road. I felt like a million bucks, right? And that, mm -hmm. that gives you the courage to keep going. So, and, and for you being a trainer and, and, and helping somebody to overcome that, I mean, how rewarding is that? It's amazing. And I think probably one of the coolest things. So after I um, did the knife thing for four or five years, this was back before direct selling was cool. I did my corporate sales job, corporate recruiting, corporate uh, new hire trainer and, you know, built some stuff over there and then got a little antsy. Um, what I think is the coolest part since I started Emerge about four years ago is how many marriages we've mended how many um, mother-in-laws now have good relationships with people. My favorite story is um, the gaining agreement skills that we taught one of our clients she used to get her runaway daughter to come home. And like that is the stuff, not obviously in addition to them having financial security, um, to be able to, to do that is just, uh, it's so rewarding it's on, on so many levels. Tasha, I think sales is, is both simple and complicated. Like there is definitely a structure to when you first meet somebody or reach out to even a cold prospect or when you're walking them down the path, and, you know, building confidence, know, like, and trust and all that. But yet at the heart of it, you're really helping somebody solve a problem. So that's like the simple version. Mm -hmm. Did you, I mean, did you go through years and years ago, I took this thing called Sandler sales training. I took a, I took every course in the world, but so I don't know, my mind is a mishmash of all of it, but at the heart of it, if you, if you're there to help your customer and to make their life better or help their business grow, whatever that may look like, and you stay focused on that, I just find that so much easier. It's like, it's not even salesy. Well, right. And I think one of the things that really holds people back, um, so we do a lot of training on joy, which is kind of where most uh, podcasts and smirk a little bit when I use the word enjoyable or we talk about joy. And I always like to just reverse engineer that back to, well, why is it, why is the sales process not enjoyable? And one of it is this idea that I don't want to be a salesperson because we always think of that guy, right? The slick, pushy, keeps talking about everything, will keep you in the room until you buy. But that is actually not what a good salesperson, that's an untrained salesperson. The trained salesperson listens well and makes things simple and easy. And when we can shift the way we think about what does it mean to be a good salesperson, like you mentioned your like mantra, mine is, if you believe in the life-changing properties of your product, you have a moral and ethical obligation, not just to be bold, as you right. said, but to sell well. 
to have strong technique. And um, I look at, you know, a sale is simply an exchange of, they just want your solution more than they want their money. And I thought that was a really good explanation. And I actually did, I do a lot of dictionary research on what does the word actually mean as opposed to what is the story we attribute to the word, right? So when we use the word sales, all of the research says it, it brings up a suit, slick back hair, and a car, right? And that's been researched um, by Daniel Pink. But the actual definition of something like closing, or we bring up, you know, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, and all these images of closing being uh, harsh, right? Right. There's one definition of closing that I use in my training, and that's the word unite. And if you think about closing as uniting your customer with their solution, it changes everything in mm. the way you execute the basics. Yeah. You know, I think, um, I know chapter one in your book is um, why do we hate salespeople? <laughs> but I think, I think that's actually um, a worthwhile discussion because like you said, people have a preconceived notion when you hear the word salesman or saleswoman, salesperson, whatever you're supposed to say. But you know, when you're in sales, it's like you're being sold to. And that's really the most, the most effective salespeople that I've ever met don't really sell at all. Well, sure. Well, it depends on your definition of sales. Yeah, that's true. So if the definition of sales is how do I get a sale, then yeah, most salespeople never even think about that question. If your de definition of sale is exchanging products and good for services, right? So I think there's just a core issue and I don't mean to be like combative on your show. No, with, please, straighten me out. <laughs> with people's just initial definition of what does it mean to sell? And it, Right. If that initial question, I, I will tell my clients, if you ask the wrong question, you'll get the wrong solution. Right. And you'll get the wrong result. And if the, the question is around a faulty definition of the word sales or to sell the verb to sell, then we're going to ask the wrong questions over and over because then we ask questions like, how do I appear that I don't sell? How do I approach a customer without selling? But if your definition of sales is how do I exchange product or service for dollars, then we don't have, we don't have to run away from sales. And then we know all we need to do, right, is be transparent and kind and gracious and be loving enough to offer a solution with confidence, which is 100% selling, right? right? The sales process, we know, right? It's, we want to set up an appointment. We want to give them an agenda so it's transparent. We want to ask them questions about their goals or problems, get to know them. We want to personalize, right? And then we want to give simple choices. That's sales, period, right? There's nothing really more to it than that. Um, but it's the posture which with we approach a customer of are we hurting them by making a sale or are we connected to their problems? And I think it's our imagination, right? We imagine some negative experience, but could we just imagine our client or customer with our product and then reverse engineer an enjoyable sales process? I think right. that sales process has to be enjoyable for you, right? Confidence, belief, and enthusiasm, they're contagious. So is lack of confidence, belief, and enthusiasm. So if you hate your sales process because it's born in a question of how do I not be salesy or how do I get sales, both questions, 
you're going to create a sales process that quite frankly just sucks and is egocentric as opposed to looking at everything from the customer's perspective and saying, how can I make this customer understand? How can I prove to them that I care about them? How can I show them and connect the dots for them so that they don't have to have think so much? Um, And I think, you know, in order to do that, you have to be bold. Yes. So chapter four, I want to ask you about, it's called impact before income. You talk about lagging indicators and leading indicators. Can you explain that briefly? Sure. So when I started in business, I'm a, I'm a competitive type. I, I played basketball in college. And so I'm always like, what's the score? Um, and I quickly turned myself into a crazy desperate person. Um, and one of the things my coach taught me is if you focus on solving people's problems, the only way for them to solve a problem is if they buy your product, right? Knowing about my product doesn't solve their problems. They have to actually have it, right? So if I focus on what are people's problems and I'm gonna solve three problems per day and I'm gonna make an impact, I'm gonna encourage people, I am going to help them solve their problems with my product and I focus on that mental state Now I'm more confident, now I have more belief, now I have more enthusiasm. And if I can do that, right, three, four, five times a day, within days, weeks, depending on your sales cycle, all that sales will come in. And that's why the sales cycle is what it is. So people will say, okay, depending on, when I was in the knife business, sales cycle was one hour, right? But in some businesses, it's a lot longer. And so people wanna wait around, but they're not tracking anything. They're just saying, well, they said they're going to buy next month. And some people say that. Well, if you haven't solved any problems on the front end, you have no assurance that that's actually going to turn. You haven't actually planted a seed. Uh, You've maybe thrown a seed or scattered a seed, but you haven't planted one. And I think that tracking every single day what I do on my best days, on my worst days, I forget and become a crazy person. But I actually write down, you know, who are the three humans I positively impacted with my business and what's their story? My story is important, Jim, but your story is way more important. And so what I want to be able to do at the end of today is, I mean, I obviously can't connect directly with your listeners today, but I'm hoping that I encourage you. And if I do that every single day, and if I can write Jim Palmer on my impact journal today, he was encouraged because this piece was helpful to him and it's going to help him to grow his business, then I know if I do that three to five times a day, I'm not going to have to worry about money. So when I was introducing you, I was reading about confidence, profit, and joy. Why is joy so important in business? Uh, Because of burnout easily. And um, if you hate your business, why would you show up to work? It's linked to motivation. And um, what I, what happened with me, so I, I started, I quit my job. I started my business. We did 80 grand in our first year. And the next year, this is crazy. Uh, we did 1.4 million. You went from <laughs> 80 grand to 1.4 million. Yeah. And then I, cause I love one-on-one coaching and everything got built on that. All our word of mouth got built on that. I love to coach all day. Well, what happened is I used the word should, um, to create my next year's business strategy. And um, I I took a back seat from coaching and I went and became the CEO and I hired a team to do all the coaching, right? 
And I hated my job. I hated everything. And so that created resentment towards my team members that didn't create the best experience. Our, our clients still got great outcomes. Um, and we still did okay the next year, but my profit really, really suffered because I had chosen the path of no joy. I stopped, right? And so what's the opposite of joy? Resentment. So if you don't actively pursue joy, we are creating, as entrepreneurs, we are creating our business, right, to support our life, not our life for our business. That's what we did when we had our corporate jobs. Yeah, exactly. And so when I look at like your situation, you have said, okay, what brings me joy? It's traveling in my boat. So I'm going to make sure that, that I have more joy in my business. And so what happens is that results go up. Um, outcomes go up. People want to interact with you when you are in joy all day, right? As much as possible. And so one of the exercises I do for clients really when they first start coaching with me is we make a T graph and we just write down what are all the things that bring you joy and energy and what are the things that suck your energy and joy? We make a list. A lot of things on the suck joy and energy, the reason they suck joy and energy is because they don't actually produce revenue. Things like making graphics, um, you and I talked before about like not having perfect anything, right? That's usually a joy sucker perfection yeah. team members that you pour into, but they really just don't get results. That's a joy sucker. And when you look at that category, you can actually eliminate a lot of your time and joy sucking activity. And so I look at it actually, I look at joy as a math equation where if I start my day with X amount of joy and energy units, I want to have more joy units than not, right? So at the end of the day, like if I start with seven, right? I want to have eight joy units at the end of the day. That means I'm going to have a pretty good day. Uh, I don't mean that you can step away from hard things in your business. I mean, I have to do the marketing stuff, right? I have to do the tech stuff. We, we still have to do that, but I um, try to get my clients in a space where two thirds of their week is spent in the joy giving zone and one third is in the joy sucking zone. So there's always a positive balance. Um, and then, then we eliminate resentment and burnout, right? And then the results start to improve. Um, we're starting to run low on time, but I definitely want to ask you. So a lot of people, I think when they start as an entrepreneur, they, let's just, let's go with the entrepreneurs, small business owners who are good at sales and they build their business because they're just, they relate, they're great and all. But how do you scale? Because, you know, the owner becomes chief cook and bottle wash for a while. And then do, you, do they reach out and build a sales team? Then do they become the sales trainer? Like how does the owner uh, duplicate their sales efforts and, and keep growing? Well, the biggest mistake that a lot of people make is they try to do the watch me, um, watch me sell, and they have so much expert intuition. And so this is actually in the joy sucking category for most founders. <laughs> but the answer truly is writing down what they say. So um, one of my biggest recommendations is next time you do a sales call, record it, have it transcribed and turn it into an outline because your entry level salespeople, when you do go to hire them, they're not going to understand the nuances of what is good and what is not. And they typically tend to gravitate towards some of the flashy aspects of your sales conversation as opposed to the core structures. So um, my that is the easiest way to build sales processes is to do a, or even just do a role play with your newer people, uh, record it and then have it transcribed. 
um, that will give your salespeople a really quick leg up. Uh, any great organization is going to have processes that are duplicatable and repeatable and just read ready, right, for someone that is entry level. Um, and most founders, none of us like to take the time to do that. I don't like to do it, but we just, it, we have to if we're going to grow past ourselves. Right. Um, so any, any quick tips on how to actually close the deal? Because I, I see a lot of people can get up to the, whether the, you know, the metaphors, you just get them up to the cliff, you got to push them off or whatever it is. You get right to the brink of yes. And then, you know, most customers need a little bit of help, like reach your hand across and bring them over, whatever phrase you want to use. But any closing strategies? Sure. My best closing strategy is to handle it before it comes up in your agenda for your appointment. So something like, hey, Jim, what we're going to do today is we're going to go over your business goals, right, a little bit about what it is that I do, and we'll go over some of the, you know, options. My part will take about 45 minutes. Um, you don't have to register for anything, but if you want to, of course, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that today. How does that sound? And get that agreement at the beginning that we're going to make a decision today. That takes away so much of the awkward at the end because it feels like you're doing a switcheroo, but if you set up the agenda at the beginning of your conversation, it makes it a lot easier. So then at the end, it becomes, as I mentioned earlier, I'm gonna show you how to move forward. How does that sound? You say- That sounds great. Sounds great, okay, awesome. Let me show you our two most popular options or our two most popular plans. I love to use the word popular, you show them too. Um, and either or close is the easiest way. It's the highest converting. You're not pushy. You're not pressuring. They have choice. Um, I, I always, I learned this when I was really young and it's just like, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask you, do you want to move forward? So instead of you saying, I want you to move forward to be like, it's just my job. Kind of like McDonald's, like, do you want fries with that? You know that they're going to ask you because you know it's just their job. It's not right. personal. Yeah. We, we act as if making an offer is personal. It's not, right? It's just, I wouldn't be doing my job, Jim, if I didn't ask you, do you want to start coaching next week? How else are we supposed to know? Yeah, love that. Man, I could talk to you for an hour. <laughs> um, so, Tasha, I'm sure people want to get a copy of your book and, and connect with you. And um, so, give all your 411 information, please. Awesome. I'd love that. So, you can. So, I wrote a book. It's called Customer First. And it has all these philosophies in there and much, much more. And you can get a free copy at customerfirstbook.com. Uh, you can also contact me directly. We do one-on-one -on -one coaching for entrepreneurs, my business partner and I, and you can just email me directly at Tasha at EmergeSalesTraining.com if that's something that's helpful for you. That's awesome. Tasha, thank you so much. I was really looking forward to this and you, and you knocked it out of the park. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jim. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special interview with Tasha Smith. I'm going to have her back or I'll, I'll invite her back in a, maybe in the fall and get her, get her dive into the rest of her book, which looks awesome. I was checking it out. Um, again, you can connect with her at EmergeSalesTraining.com. You can connect with me at GetJimPalmer.com or anywhere else. You're, I'm everywhere. Anyway, <laughs> I'm Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach. Until this time next week, another fantastic interview. You take good care. 
Now it's time to go implement what you've learned. Great ideas are nice, but results only happen through action and implementation. So stay focused. Kick all distractions to the curb. Sleep a little less if you have to. And create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle. To learn about building your dream business, join Jim's free Dream Business Facebook community at dreambizgroup.com. That's dreambizgroup.com. See you next week for more Dream Business Radio.